Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson broadcasting, as always, from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us on a Wednesday afternoon. Opening segment of the show sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of the Eagle Hour, and we're proud to say they're our good friends. We encourage you to enjoy their delicious food cooked in-house seven days a week right here in Hattiesburg. You can enjoy it in the dining room. You can do drive through You can have it home delivered. However you choose to enjoy Dickie's, just be sure you do. Our thanks to Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Former football player Victor Floyd is going to be joining us later in the show. We'll be joining Kelly Santer in the next segment as well. We're going to start today off, however, with a return appearance from uh, Jonathan Broche from IMG Sports. Jonathan, thanks for coming back on the show. I appreciate you guys having me. Well, I can tell you that in the radio world, everything is uh, kind of on hold. Uh, nobody really knows what to expect. I think there's a lot of um, a lot of uncertainty as to how much planning to really do, how far to move forward. And I'm going to guess that may be the same case with IMG Sports. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, unfortunately, I know uh, no more than you or anybody else, and just kind of in wait and see mode as is. So. Yeah. I read just this morning that the three remaining D1 conferences, the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, have all punted the football again, no pun intended, and uh, just seem just seem not, not firm enough in their beliefs to take a stand one way or another. The longer they put this off, how difficult does that make it for your world, which is, of course, the sports broadcasting world? Um, it definitely makes it uh, more challenging, but, you know, as of right now, we're kind of just operating as it's going to be business as usual and um, have backup plans in place to, um, to audible on if that's, if, if that's necessary. So, um, you know, as I said, kind of just in wait and see mode. Feels like, you know, the Power Five conferences are, are playing chicken with each other on who's going to make the first decision. And, um, you know, in, in our stance, we're kind of just waiting for that to happen. This morning, the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert, is quoted as saying he is very concerned about the possibility of playing sports in the fall. That's not going to help anybody, is it? <laughs> it, it definitely won't. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, what, what's ever going to be um, the closest to normal um, situation as possible, whether that's um, you know playing in the fall or playing in the spring, I'm open to it. Um, you know, I, I just think a lot of people's hands are tied until – a uh, overlying decision is made. So your company in, in IMG, I should point out, is probably the largest college sports broadcasting entity in the country. Your country, I mean, your company has tentative plans to address spring football. Is that what I heard you say? Um, you know, as of now, all options are open. Um, you know, we, uh, we, we we talked about a lot of scenarios and situations. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's a decision that's, that's bigger than us. And so, um, you know, we've got a lot of contingency plans in place 
to if, if that is the case. But, um, you know, as of now, we're, we're operating that fall season is going to operate as normal. Okay, Luke, get in. Jonathan Brose. Jonathan, um, it, it affects all kinds of people. We're dealing with it uh, in a local level. MHSAA came out yesterday and, and basically said that the only people allowed in a press box uh, would be uh, the clock operator and the PA announcer. So a lot of us that do high school games got to find a, a, a new you know, setup. For, for you guys, obviously, in most college stadiums, there's a dedicated uh, room for your you know, play-by-play people. I guess the only thing would be considered is you know, from, uh, from technicians and sideline reporters and kind of everybody that, that helps the two people on the call to, to pull off a great broadcast. Um, what, what approaches have been, uh, have been talked about, you know, in regards to still being able to pull off a broadcast specifically because if nobody is allowed in the stadium or a very limited, uh, number of people are allowed in a stadium, you know, and, and that's a great question. And, you know, to your point there, there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to that. And, uh, I think at the end of the day, it should be up to that, uh, personal, um, individual's decision, whether they're comfortable on doing that or not. But, um, again, those those are those are decisions that's going to be made, um, you know, by, by someone, you know, bigger. And I think um, you know we'll adjust if, if that's the case. So, sure. Uh, on this show, we cover a group of five school and Conference USA and Southern Miss. Uh, you know, kind of at the mercy of what the bigger conferences are doing. Everybody's kind of waiting to see what the SEC does. Uh, Southern Miss is waiting for uh, the Auburn game to see if they're going to get that payout or not. Um, as, as a company that covers Power 5 and Group of 5, can we expect, you know, when, when some of the other Power 5 conferences uh, make those decisions, it'll become a little bit more clear on what you guys are going to do? You know, I, I think that's correct. I think once um, these Power 5 conferences start to, to make some decisions and get a little bit more clarity on what they're going to do, I think Group of 5, five schools are going to follow suit. So, um, you know, it's just wait and see and it's, it's frustrating as it is for you and everybody else and, and for me included uh, you know just uh hoping we get some clarity in the next couple of weeks so jonathan uh, got anything you can share with us uh, as to what might be the latest information you've heard from southern miss um you know like i said um when you guys find out i'll find out as well um i know their hands are tied and um you know Unfortunately, nobody could see this kind of kind of situation happening, and I think everybody's just rolling with the punches and um, try, trying to make best of the situation that we have. Right. Uh, how, how, what what is the general what is the general feel you get from people you're approaching about sponsorships? Because all of this, you know, everything circulates around money, as we all know. College football certainly circulates around money. Thus, I think the hesitancy of these last three conferences to make a decision. They're trying to figure out how to save as much of their money as they can. But yep. what, what do you hear from people that you normally call on every year that normally by this time you pretty much have uh, their marketing in place for, for the live sporting events you sell? What do you, what do you hear from them? You know, it's, it's just trying to be um, as understanding as possible. You know, everybody's been affected by this pandemic financially. So, um, you know, just, just reassuring them that, Regardless of what happens, um, you know, two sports moving forward, we'll take care of them and make sure, you know, they're, they're going to come out all right on this. So, um, you know, just relaying that to them and, and reassuring them that they'll be taken care of is, is kind of the main approach right now. And, um, 
Yeah. How far out do you guys work on basketball? Would would you normally be working on on securing sponsorships for that sport this early in the year? <laughs> yeah, typically um, we start um, for basketball uh, around January. So um, you know, COVID has has thrown a wrench into that and definitely delayed um, a, a lot of our timeline. Right. So everybody's kind of in the same boat. Isn't that what we're hearing from you? Unfortunately, so. Yeah, yeah. I, I got an idea for you. Here's here's what you can do since everything is on hold. I'll, I'll shoot my email address to me, and you send me all your client information, their budgets, how much you think they're going to spend, and I'll see if I can pacify them until a decision has been made. Bob <laughs> Getty, the opportunist, never fails. Yeah, I feel like you're going like to skim, skim off the top a little bit, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> he might he might do it. Jonathan, going back to an earlier question I had, because uh, when people think of specifically the Southern Miss football broadcast, they think of John Cox and Lee Roberts and, you know, Bo on the sidelines. How much how many people, you know, are we talking about on a typical broadcast? Because I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking in my mind distancing. I'm thinking in my mind, you know, if a broadcast doesn't happen, people's jobs and stuff. How many people does it take to pull off a Southern Miss football broadcast? Um, more than more than I can count right now, that's for sure. Um, and, and they definitely do a great job over there. And um, you know, going back to your your original question, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think that their individual decisions need to be respected, and um, you know that that their health and their family health is um, you know more important. So um, we'll we'll see what happens moving forward. But um, they definitely do a great a great job over there. Well, Jonathan, we want you to know it was about the time you got into Hattiesburg that our baseball season got screwed up. So we're holding you responsible for that. And uh, I know I uh, I haven't finished the full baseball season yet, and uh, I'm I'm bummed about it. Yeah, so. yeah. So uh, we're if this happens again, Jonathan. Uh, next year at baseball, we're gonna have to have a meeting with you. I'm just gonna tell you that now. <laughs> I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be on a list, uh, so I'm, I'm I'm hoping it's business as usual. All right. Well, I hope your business gets back to usual, just like we hope ours does, and uh, we hope all this works out. But we we appreciate your insight. Interesting to hear uh, how this is affecting uh, a company like IMG, and uh, we thank you for your time. Hey, likewise, appreciate you guys having me on. All right, Jonathan Broch, everybody. He is the uh, rep for IMG here in Hattiesburg. IMG, in, in the event you don't know, are, are the people that sell all the ads you see on the scoreboards, all the announcements that you hear during the football games, basketball, whatever, baseball. And uh, this is the young man that heads that up here in Hattiesburg. So he, like uh, a lot of people uh, in the sales business right now, uh, not really know uh what to expect from day to day but we appreciate jonathan's uh, viewpoint all right victor floyd coming up later in the show up next though kelly Sander will be right back Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're with us this afternoon from the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. That's where we're broadcasting. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. Great place to shop for Southern Miss apparel, as you know. 
You can do it in the store six days a week, Monday through Saturday, on Hardy Street, right across from the campus. Or you can go online at campusbookmark.net, and uh, they'll take your order and deliver it right to your front door. Okay, uh, COVID-19 never goes away. 1,500 and, uh, I'm sorry, 1,505 cases reported in the last uh, 24 hours in Mississippi. This is a stunning statistic. 16% of all the cases diagnosed in Mississippi since this started have occurred in the past seven days. Related to that indirectly, the Greenville School System announced this morning, and they become the first school district in Mississippi to announce uh, the cancellation of all fall sports. On the same day that the Mississippi High School Activities Association releases their rules for fall sports and activities, so at this moment, the MHSAA uh, con- continues to say they're going to play high school football despite the COVID numbers. All right, Kelly Sanders with us right now. Kelly, I'm going to run down a few of the uh, of the guidelines set out by the MHSAA. You've been around high school f- sports a lot more than me. Uh, I, I want to get your take on these and, and how uh, how easy it will be to enforce these. Let's start with this. You can't come in a football stadium unless you wear a mask and keep it on during the whole game. We're having a lot of trouble getting people to do that when they go buy groceries. How do you see that with high school football? Well, you would hope you would hope that the MHSAA, by announcing these rules now, uh, would get people ready for something you know for that if they go to a football stadium. Uh, so it just depends on which which do you want to do more, watch the game or wear a mask or not wear a mask. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't imagine it's going to be very easy to enforce. All right, another one. Uh, schools are expected to restrict pedestrian flow in common areas of the stadium. So are you assigning someone full-time to say nobody else can come in this area? Or, or, keep, or keep moving? Right. Don't, don't right. can't gather at the fence. Like, like I said, I, all of it is noble. All of these things that you're mentioning are noble. I just don't know how enforceable they are. Uh, here's one that really jumped out at me. As a guy that did a lot of high school football through the years up in the north part of Mississippi, a lot of small schools up in you know North Mississippi. Uh, the the athletic Asso- activities association says in regard to dressing rooms, the size of the facility should be large enough to accommodate social distancing. Well. For a pedal high school, that's not a problem, right? For a Shaw High School in the Mississippi Delta, that's a big problem. How do these schools deal with that? They're probably they're, they're probably going to have to you know set up some private areas outside, you know, put up some draping or, or you know something like that to where they'll literally have to expand their their locker rooms to the outside areas. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's the only thing I would know or or use a gymnasium, you know, besides a locker room. Uh, use a classroom that might be close to the locker rooms. Uh, something to that effect. Right. But again, but I mean, who's going who's gonna to go into the locker rooms before the games and check all this out? Right. You know? uh, th- there are pages of these, but, but my favorite one, and you and I joked a little bit about that off the air, is they want to, <laughs> they want to discourage congregating in parking lots or close contact before and after sporting events. Now, I see what they're saying about the parking lots before the game, but you know, Kelly, young kids in high school, the boys and girls tend to get together after the football games and, and ride off, and I don't think that social distancing is what they'll have on their mind. 
and and just the you know yeah the the hug after the game or good game right. or congratulations you know things like that. But again, tough to tough to enforce. Well, that is that is uh, addressed when it says that the association suggests that students avoid close contact with others and maintain a physical distance of six feet or greater apart. That's silliness. I mean, to expect high school kids to do that. Here's here's one of the other things, Bob, is that you know you would think that that with the COVID pandemic that there would be a lot of high school football fans who would say, you know what, I'm going to err on the side of caution. I'm not going to go to the game. I'm just going to listen to it on my local radio station, or I'm going to do nope. a live, st- live stream or whatever. Well, but, they're, they're making that hard. But, yeah, but that's, that's probably not going to happen because one of those MHSAA rules is that the only people allowed in the press box will be the public address announcer and the referees who run the clock right, and so right. on. Now, I, look, me more than anybody, you guys. Now, me, me more than anybody. I understand that decision <clears throat> i do uh because it's an enclosed area they want to be able to spread people out but it's going to make it tougher for fans to keep track of their local high school team if there is no radio broadcast or live stream luke johnson it's hard to do a radio broadcast uh, from the back of your pickup truck in the parking lot kelly just be relieved uh bob was negotiating with jonathan broach from ing last he's going to skim some off the top yeah. by getting some of img sponsors to right. sign on but Super Talk, because of that, Bob has graciously given me a three thousand dollar budget to buy tents, tables, uh, <laughs> reclining chairs, Recliners, over bleachers. Course, because yeah, when right. I'm broadcasting, right. you know, at the right. ten yard line, I need some good binoculars too. Correct. You're, you're going to have to have some electricity or a generator as well. A generator. Let me write that down for. Our, okay, yeah. I, got, I got that. Look, generators coming as well too. So, so but, again, but being fan- but being serious about it though, I mean, being serious about it. They've got to address several things, and you can come back to the radio section if you want to, Kelly, but but the most glaring to me on this is they want social distance on the sideline of six feet. Now, they're going to extend the box from the 10 to the 10, which somebody's going to get a penalty flag thrown on them this year, and the referee's not going to realize that the, the box had been extended from 10 to 10. But there is zero way you can get a kickoff team ready. There's zero way you can coach somebody up during a timeout. They've extended timeouts to be like two minutes if necessary. But there is like zero way to to do that. I mean, you're going to be like in a stretching huddle trying to coach somebody up during a timeout. There, there are a lot of there are a lot of complications that go with this. However, I do, in fairness, I want to at least congratulate the MHSAA. In all seriousness, I want to congratulate them. For trying, okay, they're they're at least you know they've obviously thought this out, uh, and and they they want to try to have a high school football season. We we can't get these details out of any of the any of the major conferences. In fact, you know, Conference USA is so on top of things. They're reporting on their website today that women have won the right to vote in the United States. <laughs> Uh, I got I got nervous. I actually was going. I was uh, there was actual news on Conference USA website. No, 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 I didn't, I didn't no come on, look, come on, look. Don't, don't, I was going to say, surely, come you on, look, you're kidding. Um, but so uh, the suffrage movement being uh, being reported by Conference USA. Congratulations. That's right. Yeah, keeping us up to date with down to earth. And uh, that Nixon is ahead in the latest poll too, Kelly. In case you want to check that out. I, I didn't. I, that must be late breaking. I didn't yeah, get that's, that. That's but I mean, it. at least at least the MHSAA is trying. You know, that's um, right. That's right. I, I know if they're listening to this show, they go, yeah, man, we're trying to have a season and all we do is get criticized and dogged for these, you know, for these rules. 
But I do want them to know that there are a lot of people who do hold high school football as, as kind of, you know, a, a religion, if you will, in South Mississippi. So they're at least trying. You know, will it work? I don't know. But, but A for tell. effort. Yeah, that's right. A for effort. Luke, have you ever done a have you ever done a play by play broadcast from sitting on top of a light? You know, like the lights that that uh, you little they have the they have the uh, rampways beneath them so that the uh, electricians can work on the lights. Maybe we could work out something like that for you. <laughs> We've had some fun fun times. I was I've been kind of spoiled. You know, some of our guys would do from the sidelines with a Bluetooth headset. But I mean, I broadcasted outside before. You know, especially it's a windy October day. All your depth charts and stats are blowing. You lose them in the first quarter, so you just got to shoot from the hip the rest of the time. I'm not so concerned about uh, you know that so much as everything suffers when there's no organization. And and when you don't, you know, Kelly, you can you've been doing it so long, you probably you know got the best system in the world. But I gotta have my depth charts like taped up. Like I gotta have I I, I color code stuff. I got my uh, you know I've I've got my uh, district games coming up that I can just reference and give scores out on the air. I mean, it, you know, it'll be a good opportunity, a good learning curve. Have Kelly, have you ever broadcast from an end zone like like covering it north to south, not east to west? Not broadcast, but I've, but I have been a public address announcer doing that. I've, I've, I've had a wireless mic walking up and down the sidelines as the public address announcer, which, you know, I, I actually got a first, a bird's eye view as to who made the tackle and, you know, who was carrying the ball. That actually was kind of fun, uh, because I was right there on the line of scrimmage. So like every a game time. show host? Uh, yeah, kind of, kind of. But the, of course, the wireless mic was attached to the stadium speakers. Yeah. So, um, so that was that was kind of cool, but but what complicates this with without you know a radio or, or a webcast is that's how people if they you know if they were afraid of COVID or things like this or stadiums were going to have a limited number of people that could go, you know for social distancing and so on, uh, it would have given people a much easier choice right. to All stay right. home and listen to it. Right. Now yep. they don't have that choice if they want to know what's going on at the game, they're going to have to go. All right, Kelly, we appreciate it. I want to remind everybody, Kelly Santer is the color commentator for professional wrestling. There's not anything Kelly Santer hasn't done when it comes to play-by-play in his career. Fair to say, Santer? Oh, yeah. (laughs) We'll be back. Southern Miss to the top. Glad it's a sunny Wednesday. And uh, Kelly John Sander joining us in that previous segment. Glad it's not raining as it has been all week. Blue skies here in downtown Laurel in the First Bank Studios. Bob in Hattiesburg in the First Bank Studio there. The third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill. It's always a great day to eat lunch at 4th Street Bar and Grill. 8.95 comes with... Uh, a free drink, so a swing in there to 4th Street Bar and Grill and see some of the, the greatest collection of Southern Miss memorabilia around, guarantee you. 4th Street Bar and Grill, proud sponsor 
of the Eagle Hour. Well, uh, being July the 29th, one day closer to football season, and here to talk some Southern Miss football with us, former running back for the Golden Eagles, V.J. Floyd, four-year uh, letterman for Southern Miss at running back 2007 to 2010, and V.J. joins us now. V.J., what's going on, man? How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. So uh, you grew up in the Magic Kingdom. You come from Orlando. And, uh, man, you're a Florida dude all the way. Your dad, Victor Floyd, was an All-American at Florida State. And uh, you you grew up in the heart of Florida. And uh, you end up in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Now, was that because uh, your dad talked about how hard the Golden Eagles hit him back in the late 80s? <laughs> I, I was. Uh, actually, um, the recruiting process was a little, ch- it was just a little bit challenging for me. Uh, my senior year of high school, I ended up uh, facing some injuries while I was out half of the football season, and uh, you know, offers uh, that stuck with me were Southern Miss, uh, Michigan State, and I had a couple other little small, smaller schools. And um, you know, we just felt that you know Mississippi, you know, was a a, a very friendly town, uh, very closely knit. Uh, Coach Messingham obviously recruited me during that process, and. Uh, he stuck with me, you know, from my junior to senior year, and uh, we kept a close relationship. So we thought, you know, Southern Miss was the, the way to go for sure. Yeah, Coach Messingham, people forget uh, about him, man. He actually, I think he came in my junior year, and he was actually a, a head coach at like a D2 school up in Iowa, and, and he came right. in. Coach Bauer had, uh, Coach Shearer was on that staff. There were so many, uh, Coach Johnson replaced Coach Shearer as the OC. So many of those guys uh, went on to, uh, to be OCs at Power 5 schools. Now, for you, you came in and you played for Jeff Bauer, uh, of course, running back during that time, Damian Fletcher. What was it like to come in as a true freshman with a back like Fletcher, you know, in your meeting room every day? Oh, man, it was actually a pretty cool experience uh, with Damian being a freshman the year before. You know, I showed up. Um, I was able to, you know, obviously learn a lot, you know, with it being that he was a younger guy and being able to accept, you know, a starting role at such a, you know, early time in his career. So, you know, I learned a lot. We actually became really, really close friends. We still keep in touch. You know, Damien, I actually just talked to, I would say last week, and uh, he's enjoying his his kids and family up in Biloxi. And uh, so, yeah, it was a, it was an experience. You know, I came in expecting to play, but, you know, when you're behind, you know, someone like Damian Fletcher who's leading the, the conference in Russian, you can see how it can be a little bit tough to get on the field. Right, Victor. When you were when you were being recruited by Michigan State, mm-hmm. other schools, uh, were you were you familiar with the uh, heritage, the the history of Southern Miss football? Um, I can't say that I, I was entirely. I knew a little bit about you know the, the the black and gold and the defense and you know the the name that you know they made for themselves and mm-hmm. um, you know obviously you know I, I, I wasn't too far away uh, with the man. A lot of my family was in Pensacola area. Right. Um, so I, you know, I was excited about you know just being close to family, and that was one of the main reasons for me choosing Southern Miss. But um, you know, not exactly. I didn't know a lot about the school. Um, you know, my last couple weeks before I had to make a decision, I think I did my the most homework ever, and I learned mm-hmm. a lot. And just you know, just a, a super cool town. You know, a lot of you know close uh, friends, and you know the fans are are, are amazing, and just a, a nice. Nice school to play for. So you made the right decision. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Considering what my circumstances were, and mm-hmm. you know where I was coming out of high school, it was a, it was definitely the best fit for me in comparison to you know the other schools that were uh, sending me offers. 
Now, Victor, is it an advantage or a disadvantage, good or bad, positive or negative, to be the son of an All-American football player from a university like Florida State? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's got its pros and its cons. Uh, my dad obviously had a big name for himself, you know, in the state of Florida. You know, I, you know, I could go pretty much anywhere in any of those colleges in Florida and mention Victor Floyd, and a lot of them knew exactly who he was. So, you know, high expectations for me growing up. Um, you know, and for the most part, you know, I lived up to those expectations with running summer track and field. At at one point, I was the fastest kid in the world, and um, you know, obviously, playing high school football before I end up getting hurt, I think I did a pretty good job of living up to the name. But you know, as we got closer to you know playing professional, you know, a lot of people the bar continued to get higher and higher and higher. And can't say that I necessarily reached you know full you know expectations. But uh, one thing that he you know obviously spoke highly on was just getting a, getting your degree and you know finishing up in school, and uh, that was the most important thing to him. So. For the most part, you know, that's, those are the pros and those mm-hmm. are the cons. So, do you go home when you when your dad's like that? Your dad's such a storied athlete of, in his own right. Do you do you go home and seek his advice, or, or once you're once you're away, I mean, does does the father step back and let the you know the the coaches do all the coaching? But there's got to be those father son conversations where where dad's telling you what you can do a little better. Oh yeah, oh yeah. My dad actually was uh, very closely involved in my sports and uh, my career. My, my career in sports. Uh, funny story. My I actually growing up never was involved in like ball club activities. I didn't really play for anyone else. I played for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I ran unattached when I when it came to track and field. Uh, when I started, you know, playing football. You know, he literally wouldn't allow any other other coaches to really get involved in how they coached me. He he coached me up pretty much on his own. And, you know, as far as, you know, feedback and critiquing me, you know, he was brutal. He was one of those guys that would compare me to – I was always being compared to the next level. So when I was at high school, I was being compared to college guys. When I was in mm-hmm. college, he was comparing me to, you know, the NFL guy. So, you know, it's always been pretty tough on me from that standpoint. But it's it's always been, you know, cool in a in a in a – and an incredible experience because you know coming from someone who's played in the NFL, not a lot of not a lot of guys get that luxury. So right. you know, I always I always soaked it up and you know took heed mm-hmm. to it. And you know, and I looked up to you know having a father that played in the in the, in the right. football league. I read this story one time. Tell me if you ever had this kind of experience. This was Walter Payton's son. He scores a touchdown. In a high school game, he slams the football down and starts celebrating in the end zone. And over the crowd noise, he can hear his father going, hey, hey. And he turns around and his father's giving him the, the throat cut sign. Stop it right oh, there. Yeah. You ever get anything oh, yeah. like that? Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, <laughs> one of my uh, funny stories is uh, this was actually during the spring uh, with Southern Miss. I had been you know on the field a lot, you know, running around. Um, I think I came to the sideline gas, you know, gasping for air. And my dad's thinking, no, this is the time you need to step up. You know, you need to, you know, really show, showcase your talent. So he, uh, all I hear is him screaming from the sideline. Same, same scenario. Just, hey, get it together. Let's, let's go. Like, get back in the game. And he, he, uh, he threw a, a roll of tape at my helmet to get my attention. Which is, which is, which is so funny, but. Yeah, that's his personality. He's the same way, man. 
Only dad could do that to you, right? Only dad could have hit you in the head with a roll of tape and gotten away with it, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's it. All right, Luke, finish up with this young man. VJ, um, so you you play for Coach Bauer. Uh, For one year, Coach uh, Fedora comes in. Uh, We've talked to uh, several of your former teammates, uh, guys that went through that transition, how unique that was, and, you know, uh, the the energy that that Coach Fedora had versus uh, just the classic tradition, hard-nosed reputation that that Jeff Bauer had. I I went through that. But I wanted to ask you, in in 2010, uh, as a senior, you remember the jump pass to Jonathan Massey? What was that play called? Run us through there. Were you actually through? a touchdown pass oh man that's actually one of the highlights of my career is right i um uh, i uh we we all week we were we actually i think saw uh someone else get away with it on them they did this a very similar play and uh coach Fedora, you know noticing that the way that their style of defense was and the way that they reacted to the football you know us being a running at the time us being a running football team we're inside the red zone um he planned for it all week, saying, "Hey, don't 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 let me down. Uh, if you don't see an opportunity to throw it, don't throw it. Run it." And uh, you know, as a running back, when you get a chance to throw the ball, you're already made your mind up. You're like, "I'm throwing." It. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he handed me the ball off, and uh, it, it was, I want to say it was against Kansas, and uh, threw it to the back of the end zone. And Jonathan Master made a hell of a play, and you know, caught it falling down. Actually, it was a horrible throw when you look back at it, but. Uh, Jonathan made the play, and I uh, consider that my only touchdown pass <laughs> in my college career. That's so. cool. No, no, that's I'm good, man. About about in ten seconds left. Uh, tell us, uh, tell our listeners what you're doing now, where you are. Uh, well, currently, right now, I am in a, a county executive for Xerox uh, Corporation, um, where I manage a group of employees um, on seven office software and technology. I'm also an assistant football coach for West Oaks Academy, uh, actually with my father. So I'm still trying to stay involved and uh, continue playing the game of football. Great conversation. We appreciate you. One quick note, that wasn't a terrible pass. It was a touchdown pass. So just remember that. (laughs) Hey, I appreciate that. All right, buddy. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We'll be back, everybody. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Appreciate VJ Floyd joining us as he's now coaching football with his dad. His dad, Victor, All-American at Florida State and then played for the Chargers of the NFL. Appreciate VJ joining us in the previous segment. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located Online, ToyotaHattiesburg.com, you can secure financing, value your trade-in, and view their entire inventory, new, pre-owned, and certified vehicles. Also located on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Uh, we're talking sports stuff. Don't forget that a D1 and a D1 training and DBAT available to train you and uh, your kids. 
Baseball, softball, excellent training. It's located uh, right off Highway 98 in Hattiesburg in the old Gaddy Town in the uh, big shopping center right there by Best Buy. We appreciate DBAT and D1 for sponsoring the Eagle Hour. All right, Bob, uh, just to recap from our first segment today, Greenville Public School District is the first really uh, district in Mississippi after the Jackson Public Schools pulled back that initial announcement on Monday. But Greenville has canceled fall sports, football, volleyball, cross-country, choir, band, that means football and fall parades, and cheerleading all nixed for Greenville. And I guess my question is I've talked uh, to some friends uh, across South Mississippi and, you know, for a, a school like Greenville and, and really for schools like like anywhere in Mississippi – if you don't play football um, and you don't play football in the spring, it's hard to see without football income how you can even start basketball, how you can start soccer, how you can start uh, or really hold any other sport throughout the school year because football, like everything, you know, like on, on every level, pays the bills. No question about it. And uh, Greenville school system, I'm sure, is like a, a lot of uh, school systems that struggle financially uh and uh it's not going to be an easy thing disappointing obviously for the kids you said that about cheerleaders choir we forget about kids like that too but i mean they look as they look as forward to the football season as anybody you know so uh it's just it's it's a hard time and uh it's just it's unfortunate uh, when you hear that i'm gonna tell you something though that it, it, it excuse me, something that does make me feel good. One of the great things about doing this show the last three years is we get these interviews with different people and, and they tell us stories that just put a smile on your face. And I, I thought I thought the interview with V.J. Floyd was one of the better ones we've had lately. And I always think about this. Here's a kid. He's coming off the field. He's out of breath. He's gasping for air. His father, who is an All-American and NFL football player, chunks a roll of tape hits him in the helmet, and screams at him, get back on the field. Those are great stories, Luke. And, that you know, those kind of things right there, even in times like this, make you smile a bit. They do. My dad would do that to me in uh, in Little League and uh, sometimes in high school. Most of the time in college, he was just happy to be at a Southern Miss football game, so it didn't matter if I shanked one or launched one. He was just happy to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. there would be times that my dad would uh, look at me and say, uh, yeah, that wasn't the greatest game. Come on, we'll do it better next week. But yeah, right. great, great stuff. And apparent, you know what? What we love about that in a case like with the Floyds, the father knows exactly what the son's feeling. The father knows can can put himself back in that, um, back in that scenario. You know, twenty years earlier. And so you just you hear VJ's appreciation for how his dad loved him, but how his dad pushed him in his athletic career. Right, and and I think kids like that are under a little more pressure. You know, when your dad's a football legend in the state of Florida at a school like Florida State, played NFL football, I can, you know, I can see how that would just add pressure. And apparently, Victor Floyd handled it perfectly because his son and he are obviously very close, working together today. And and that, my friend, is just a good story. All right, real quick, Luke, Ohio State announces uh, if they play football this fall, uh, they're going to limit their gigantic stadium to 20% capacity. So that would mean, what, 20, 21,000 in the Ohio State uh, football stadium. Yeah, I think they probably have more than 21,000 at their spring game. And so, yeah, it's going to look <laughs> really, really, <laughs> really weird. And you think about that, um, who who gets in? Because you know they have way more season ticket holders than, than 21,000. They got suites right. there. Right. Are the suites included in that? What do they do with the fans? What do they do with the band? Right. Is the twenty one thousand the exact number? So it's 
it's pretty wild. Um, and it's just going to be interesting to see is that something that's going to happen to the whole Big Ten? And will that Big Ten decision impact every other Power Five conference? That's right. Now, look, I want to clarify the last minute we have left. I know a lot of folks uh, in our listening audience over in the Jones County area listen to you during the fall every Friday night. You do a fantastic job, by by the way, he does, on our Jones County High School Games of the Week. Uh, Great, great schools in Jones County. You're committed to doing the games even if we have to hang you from a light pole. Is that correct? Yeah, um, I'm actually, when I leave here, I'm going to go somewhere else, get fitted for a harness. Um, One of those kind where you can drop me in from a cable. We've got (laughs) Kelly's, you know, with his wrestling connections, um, we've got to be able to probably rig something up with what they do with with their wrestling. But, yeah, I mean, be honest, Brett Bouchelon and I really enjoy doing that. And the plan is wherever we need to do, anyone, anywhere, anytime, I guess, to, to be Southern Miss about it. But, yeah, we're looking forward to it. It's one of my favorite things to do in the world, and it'll be interesting to see how it pans out for sure. I, got, I just figured the solution to the problem. Hedrick Sign Company. We rent a bucket truck from Richard Hedrick. We put you and Brent in the bucket truck, raise it up, and let you back down when the game is over. Sounds like, like a plan it. to me. I can... I can reach out to Hedrick today. Sounds good. (laughs) That wraps it up. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, everyone, Southern Miss. To the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Talk Mississippi Media Production.